When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our round table, so I am joined by Scott Patsko, Doug Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Ellis Williams, and we are doing AFC power rankings. We're going to rank every single team in the AFC, and then we're going to slot the Browns among those teams. So it's a great listen. It'll get you through your weekend. It's a good, long podcast. Check it out. And of course, also make sure you check out Football Insider, as I always tell you, where you get access to exclusive content, a newsletter, stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and of course, our texting service. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Okay, let's get to it. Here's our Friday roundtable. I am completely out on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were awful. They were one of the worst teams in football in the second half of the season. There was a chance the Browns might have just ended this Pittsburgh Steelers run. All right, here we go on our Friday roundtable on the Orange and Brown Talk pod. The whole crew is here, and we are going to get right into it. Uh, We're going to do a reverse draft, 16 through 1. We're going to try and power rank the AFC. Here's one caveat. We are leaving out the Cleveland Browns. We're going to slot the Cleveland Browns after we pick the other 15 teams. The math works out. There's five of us. We're going to go through this. Number one pick goes to Scott Patsko. Scott, who do you have as the 16th team in the AFC? I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into this right off the bat. I'm going to put the Jets at the bottom instead of the Jaguars. The Jets don't get to pick the quarterback they want. They're going to pick the quarterback they get left with that the Jaguars don't want. The Jaguars almost beat the Browns last year. I know the Jets did beat the Browns, but obviously there were circumstances involved in that. I think the Jaguars had better games, so I'm going with the Jets at the bottom. That's not a monkey wrench at all. I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, they're gonna the Jags are going to get Trevor Lawrence. They have a ton of cap space. I, I have the Jets last, too. I mean, I think I like their new coach, but I think your point about quarterback and whatever, everything else, Scott, they're trying to, to fix, I agree with the Jets last. Yeah, that's exactly where I had the Jets. I think this is a fun opportunity to take two seconds and just imagine a a world where the Browns hire Robert Sala instead of Kevin Stefanski. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does there. I'm excited he got the opportunity. Of course, a a minority coach in the NFL. We all know the issues that this league has with that. And I'm I'm, I'm pulling for him. You know, you never want to see a coach fail and, and, and lose their job. But I'll say this about Sala. I'm concerned about his overall football philosophy you know he's a rah-rah guy energy guy he's going to build a great culture but what are you x's and o's wise when you don't have five first round picks on your defensive line can he overcome it we'll see but i think browns fans should be real happy that they landed with kevin Stefanski instead of the guy in new york now are we sure the jets are going to be the worst team in the conference though you know i want to spend a ton of time on them 75 million cap space six picks in the top 100 i could see them being not good but not being the worst when have the Jets proven that they can use that kind of capital to improve their team? That's fair. I guess that's my, would be my argument against that. Yeah, C.J. Mosley, Le'Veon Bell, they've got a long track record overcome here. I really do like Robert Sala. I like him so much. Uh, I really got to know him during the, the, the process of the Browns coaching search. 
And I like what he brings to the table. And I think he's got a lot of great influences in his career. The thing with the Jets that, that we don't really know is, you know, who's going to be the starting quarterback? You know, how is that going to work out? So I, I do think that they belong down low on the list. And, and 16 is not out, out, of, out of the question for them. I agree with Dan a little bit that they could surprise a little bit depending on who they have as their starting quarterback. I think when we circle back, we might, we might play with these rankings based on where everybody picks. But Mary Kay, you're up next. Who do you have one spot ahead of the Jets here? You know, I think I will probably go with the Jaguars here. You know, they're, they're going to have a rookie quarterback. They've got a lot to overcome in terms of personnel. Uh, they're going to have a, an excellent new coach who isn't going to, to stand for anything but the fastest turnaround he can come by. But I still think that they have a, a long road ahead of them back to respectability and winning. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Jaguars here. I don't have the Jags that low. I, I, yeah. I think Trevor Lawrence flips them quick. And I think when you go through this and you're trying to figure out bad teams, there's a lot of other teams down near the bottom here who don't have any clue about their quarterback compared to the Jags knowing we're going to take Trevor Lawrence and we're going to play him right away. And young quarterbacks can be good right away. They have the most cap space in the league. Obviously, I know Urban Meyer well. You know, he's got to hire the right court. You know, he's going to lean on some other people. He hasn't done the NFL thing before. I just think they're going to completely ramp, revamp their roster to such a degree with the cap space they have and with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback that I have them a couple spots higher than this. I Same, echo everything Doug just said. They've got the most cap space in football with nearly, what, 80 million. They've got six picks in the top 100. Trevor Lawrence says. Doug said, and a guy like Urban Meyer, and I'm sure Doug could talk about what he thinks the Jags are going to be for an hour on this podcast. And I'd, I'd listen to every second of it. It's a real interesting conversation. He's not coming out of retirement unless the job is perfect. He knows from guys like Nick Saban that you can't win in this league without the quarterback. They're getting that. And then like Doug said, he can retool the roster everywhere he's gone. There's been success. And I don't see, I don't think it's wise to bet against him even though it's early and because of some other situations, I do have the Jags a few spots higher than 15. Yeah. I mean, I got them near the bottom. I look, there's like four teams I think that are bigger mess than anybody else in the AFC and the Jags are in that group. The other thing to consider here real quick is that uh, they have a pretty tough schedule for, for a team that, that didn't win last year in the AFC. They have the, uh, I believe it's the sev seventh toughest schedule when you're looking at strength of schedule and and that matters you know that that matters uh especially when you have a young quarterback but I mean I do agree with you guys I mean Urban Meyer and, and Trevor Lawrence could get this thing turned around in a hurry but that is another thing to consider the Jacksonville and the Jets both teams with high upside but certainly both teams you can make the case will be towards the bottom of the AFC next year but you know Jacksonville is really interesting with all those draft picks all that money Trevor Lawrence coming, a very interesting team. Which, But honestly, the team that I had at the very bottom that I would have made the case belongs at the very bottom is still there for me here as, as I take my pick. And this is obviously making an assumption that something is going to happen here with their quarterback. I've got the Houston Texans. I think that organization is a complete disaster. And once they trade Deshaun Watson, and I think Watson is going to force his way out of there, once that happens, they've got nothing. They don't have any... They don't have a first-round pick, a second-round pick right now. Now, they'll obviously get those things when they trade Deshaun Watson. People are leaving that organization left and right. 
Jack Easterby is running things. This guy was a chaplain for the Patriots a few years ago. That organization's a complete mess. I wouldn't want anything to do with it. I can't blame Deshaun Watson for wanting out of there. I would actually have them at the bottom of my power rankings. They had Deshaun this year, who was as good, really, as any quarterback in the league, and they were still awful. So it's like, okay, well, even if they somehow, because it sounds like, oh, now there's like, oh, they're trying to keep him. But like, even if they keep him, Dan, you, what you said, the, it's the worst organization, you know, that Robert Sala is going to get the Jets back in a different direction. Urban Meyer is going to get the Jaguars in a different direction. David Culley seems like a good hire, but the organization is a mess in Houston. So I actually, I had them second lowest. I think, I think they do have a strong case. Now, the only thing, Dan, I guess is if they trade to Sean and get a haul, Right. They get like a, the kind of thing that you immediately begin rebuilding your entire organization right. because you get so much for Deshaun Watson. But even in that case, they're, they're probably getting a young quarterback back or something. And we're talking about this year. That means they might be awful this year. So I think you make a strong case for them being at the bottom. I had them second worst. I completely agree. I've got the Jets 16, one team that we haven't mentioned yet at 15th and the Texans at 14. But after hearing that, I think I have the Texans too high. How do you think, uh, how would you guys feel if Deshaun Watson isn't traded? Because I still have a lot of people that I talk to that don't think that, that he's going to be traded. And you, you also have Nick Casario that is running things and he's no dummy. So if you keep Deshaun and you add pieces and you've got Nick Casario who knows from Bill Belichick how to build a football team and add in pieces Deshaun and Nick, that factor, you think that lands you at 15 still? So I think they're worse if they keep Deshaun Watson, Mary Kay. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to trade Deshaun before the draft because this organization has no idea what they're doing. They're going to make mistake after mistake, and then things are going to go from bad to worse when they don't trade him. This season will start ugly, and this could be like an NBA-type trade where he's dealt like at the trade deadline or something. I just think everything's on the table here because Texans have no idea what they're doing. They need draft picks. They need to completely retool, and the only way to get those picks is trading Deshaun Watson. You think they don't have any, any idea what they're doing, even with Nick Casario running, running things? He's the guy in the building causing all the issues. The players don't trust him. From what I'm reading, the players don't trust him. There, there's just disconnect throughout that entire organization i understand his background and where he comes from but when your first week on the job you already have two damning pieces one written by sports illustrated about the job you're doing within your building i don't know how you recover from that it, it is going to take years to do so and draft picks and i don't think this is the brown situation where you can see a big turnaround in one year they don't have the kind of roster i think you know that kevin stefanski and andrew barry inherited here since we're talking about next year I mean, it the, might the be question, too hard on Nick Casario. Well, players, you know, players wanted to revolt against Tom, Tom Coughlin with the New York Giants one year when they didn't know him and they didn't know what he was bringing to the table. So I think you have to be a little careful about how players are feeling about a regime change. I mean, this is a, I mean, all hell breaks loose when a team is losing. And when you've got obviously stars like Deshaun Watson that, that want, want out, they don't know. I mean, when Bill Belichick took over the Cleveland Browns, the players hated him, okay? I mean, hated him. They hated everything about him, and they hated everything about what he was bringing to the table. So we, don't, we just don't know yet if Nick Casario deserves what he's getting. Sure. We do know that he's shaking it up, and maybe he'll be horrible, but the fact that players don't love what's happening right now, they don't know what he's all about yet. They, he just walked into the building. 
I just don't see the path for this team to get better in 2021. They don't have it. It's basically, it's going to be the same situation as last year, Deshaun Watson and not much else to maybe trade JJ Watt. I don't know that he's bringing back like a first round pick. So I, I don't know. I still think this is a, a not very good team, even with Deshaun Watson on the roster. He just, he, he's probably worth another four or five wins, but that might be the top. That might be the top level for this football team. Cause they just don't have draft picks. They're still, even if they keep Watson and convince him to stay, they just don't have a way to rebuild for next year. They're, they're still, they're a number of years away, I think, based on what Bill O'Brien gave up when he was the de facto GM of, of this team. Doug, who's your team at 13? Yeah, this is more of a quarterback pick than anything else. Again, when you get to these bottom tier teams, sometimes it's like, well, they got a quarterback, then maybe at least you have a shot. So I'm going to go with Denver. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are. I don't know. I mean, it's not Drew Locke, so... I just don't know what they have going for them right now. And so we're getting, you know, there's a couple more, another one or two or three teams in this mix. And I don't know what the best thing is. I mean, they have Von Miller, I guess, but what, like what, what is, I don't know who their quarterback is. So I'm taking the Broncos next. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I had Denver 15th actually, for all those reasons, they just got rid of uh, one of their top cornerbacks, AJ Boye to save some cash. Uh, he was making like 12 million a year. They save all that. So they're going the other direction. Oh, when you're cutting bets like that, uh, that tells you that winning is not a, a, a top priority this year. John Elway promoted himself by actually lessening his responsibilities within the front office. He's no longer the, the GM there after just miss after miss at quarterback. Uh, I They've got offensive skill talent, but like Doug said about the quarterback, you just don't know. And Vic Fangio as a defensive guy is losing defensive playmakers. I think they're going in the wrong direction as well. The Broncos are a team you might've forgotten were in the NFL this season. That's how irrelevant they were. Until their, until their quarterbacks all missed the game because of COVID. That's the only time we heard about it. Right. Season. Right. That was, that was pretty cool. But other than that. <laughs> well, I heard Deshaun Watson might want to play there. So that, that one could get, could get she, interesting. Denver's one of those teams that always seems to have like, just enough talent to be mediocre, but they just can't figure out the quarterback position. Look, if Deshaun Watson ends up there, obviously then you have something. I mean, I just said it last, Deshaun Watson might be worth four or five wins to a team depending on, on the talent level they have. So Denver's just one of those weird teams every single year where they could go eight and eight, but that might be the best they could do, but they could also go four and 12. I, I don't, I don't ever know how to read that football team. Ellis, you are up. This is where I think things get difficult. Uh, before we started recording, I, I looked at y'all and I said, man, the AFC is tough. The team I'm about to say I have pegged as the 12th best team in the AFC. And I think they're better than my hometown Minnesota Vikings. Vikings fans probably won't like hearing that. And I know here in Minnesota, people talk about the Vikings as playoff contenders. Like, what can the Vikings do to get back to the playoffs, even though they're picking 14th this year? And if they were in the AFC, I'd have them right near the Jaguars. That's how, that's how tough I really think this, this conference is at number 12. I have the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're doing a lot of the right things, but as this list, we, we keep forming this list. We're, we're just going to hear good team after smart front office, after promising head coach, after interesting, intriguing young quarterbacks. There's just a lot to like about 12 up here. So just because you have to slot them somewhere, I have the Bengals at 12, even though I like everything they're doing. Aside from their head coach, he's really got to prove it this year. I mean, if he they're running out of excuses, Zach Taylor's running out of excuses, but if he shows a, a bit more and they start winning some games and their players aren't quitting on them, like Mary Kay is so well documented, putting their houses up uh, before 
for sale before games are even over. I think the Bengals have the roster talent and a healthy Joe Burrow to, you know, become a potentially five, six win team this year, maybe seven. I don't want to jump too much to the next discussion, but in the two teams that I had right in this mix, it became Joe Burrow versus Bill Belichick. And how do you feel about where people slot in? So I think this is the right area for the Bengals. I think because of Joe Burrow and some other, you know, they have holes, but some other young talent they have, I think they're pretty clearly above the first four teams we mentioned. I think, I think that to me was pretty clear. And now we're sort of into this. They're still not a contender, but that's around where we are. So I think this is around the right spot for the Bengals for sure. I was going to say, I asked football insider subscribers to rank teams uh, in preparation for this. And this is exactly where they had the Bengals. And I kind of thought maybe it was low, but I think you also have to remember that they're the team now, I think is they're in the tough spot in the AFC North that maybe the Browns used to be. It's like, you're trying to get better, but you got these three teams ahead of you that are winning a lot more games and, and making it a tough division. And now the Browns are in that group and the Bengals are at the bottom and I think that's going to have a lot to do with, with how that team progresses. They could take it at talent and be better than they were, but it might not show up in the record. Yeah. Real quick, Scott, Scott, I'm so glad you made that comparison to where the Browns were and where the Bengals are now. The difference there is nailing the head coach, right? The Browns figured out who their head coach needed to be. They got the right guy. That to me, that's the biggest question in Cincinnati. Uh, Here's another thing to consider. and, And I keep bringing this up, but really super smart coaches at strength of schedule. And we don't really know exactly what strength of schedule is going to be until you start to get into a season and you, sh- you see who all the quarterbacks are and you see what the injuries are. Sometimes you don't know true strength of schedule until you get five or six games into the season. But they have the fifth toughest schedule from a, just a, from a one loss standpoint. And I think that that's going to have a major impact on them. I love Joe Burrow. I'm on record as saying, I mean, I just, I just love the kid. I think he's phenomenal, but he can't do it himself. Even though he tried to do it himself for the most part against the Browns in that game, uh, he needs help and he's coming off of a torn ACL and some guys aren't 100% themselves in the first year back from a torn ACL. Sometimes they need the next year before they're the guy that they were. And everyone's making a great point here. If you're staring down potentially Oh, and six in your division, like that's your, maybe your starting point, as you guys all said, what the Browns used to do. And if the strength of schedule, Mary Kay, a lot of that strength of schedule, I'm sure Mary Kay is that they have three potential playoff teams as their three other division foes. That makes life really hard. Cincinnati's in a good spot though. Uh, they've got money. Uh, you know, they've got three picks in the top 100, including number five overall, you know, three picks in the top hundred isn't a ton, but this is a team that usually stays put drafts guys high. So they've got good picks there in the first and second round, especially, and there's not really going to be expectations on them next year. So Burrow can work his way back from the ACL injury. And if they go six and 10 or seven and nine or five and 11, whatever, you might get Zach Taylor fired, but I still think the organization might be going in the right direction if they, they use those picks. Well, one go thing ahead, on the, the point Mary Kay is making the point Mary Kay is making about strength, the schedule. I'm glad she's doing it. We saw last year, what happened when an AFC team started with facing the chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, and Minnesota Vikings it was a Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien lost his job because of it. That early part of the season is going to be real telling for the Bengals and, and Zach Taylor. It's something to keep an eye on. Just to be clear in how we're looking at teams, we're still at the point, the five teams we've mentioned so far, none of us think they really have any chance to make the playoffs. Is that still where we are? 
Right. Yep. Let me recap here. So we have the Jets at 16, the Jaguars at 15, the Texans at 14, Denver at 13, Cincinnati at 12. I think maybe individually we could quibble over the exact slots in those guys, but I think that five is a pretty good group for the bottom five. So let's go back to Scott here for team number 11, because I think we're starting to move into that next tier of football teams. So the insiders had the Patriots here and I was tempted to go with them, but I think I have a little more faith in Belichick and some of the pieces they have coming back than maybe the insiders do. I'm going to go with the Raiders here and that might be lower than other people have them. They don't have a great cap situation. I'm not sure how this team gets significantly better this coming season. They are what they are. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I feel good slotting them here. Scott, I completely agree with you. And then I remember that there were only two teams aside from the week 17 game that none of the chief starters played only two teams that beat the chiefs this year, the Raiders and Tom Brady. It's puzzling. And the I want to root the Rams. I know. I hear you. I hear you. And I'm not <laughs> arguing against you. Cause I had them at 11th as well. Early in the season, I wanted to root for John Gruden. How can you not, but he's accumulated a career coaching record of 114 and like 111. I want to say like, he's just a, he's a 500 coach at this point. You highlighted the cap situation. I think I'm out on the Raiders until, until I see otherwise and they'll start six and two and I'll be back, back on them for them to finish seven and nine, but that's not till November. I mean, they're one of those teams that you could probably beat anybody, but they just, they don't. Yeah. The highs and lows. I hear you. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is the discussion here probably is, is Raiders Patriots, but if you start talking about like offensive talent between these two teams, do the Patriots have like the, uh, Henry Ruggs or any, uh, do they have a Josh Jacobs? Do they have, they don't, Derek Carr. I don't know who the pay. So I know, and we'll get to the Patriots. They're getting guys back. They have Bill Belichick, but man, like I, I would lean on the Raiders offensive potential still where I have no idea where the Patriots are here. So I think this is the right range, but if that's where we're slicing, I still, I would take Vegas over new England at the moment. I, th- yeah. I think that's a really interesting discussion. I'll, I'll just say that I'm, you know, I'm a little more bullish, I think, on the Patriots than some other folks on here might be. Mary Kay, go ahead. I was just going to say that I, I, oh, I'm always very quarterback centric. And I think that's why I, I push back a little bit on if the Texans have Deshaun Watson. I think that counts for something. If the Raiders, when the Raiders have Derek Carr, I think that counts for something. I think a really good quarterback can cover up for a lot of ills. I agree. I agree with Doug here that I would have put the Patriots, you know, below the Raiders because we just don't know enough about what's going on with the Patriots and their and their quarterback situation. But knowing Bill Belichick, he, he'll solve it. I mean, he'll he'll try to he'll find a way to fix that by next year. So, I mean, anything can happen. There there are a lot of quarterbacks on the move, and we should probably redo this. And we maybe we will. Maybe we'll redo this when the quarterback carousel has completely settled down and the draft has happened and we know exactly who's doing that. So maybe we'll uh, circle back on this in like whatever June or something like that. That might be kind of fun. But for those reasons, I I would have put the Raiders below the Patriots. We've got seven months of daily podcasts before the season. (laughs) We will definitely redo this a number of times. Mary Kay, who do you have now? Well, I'm going to go with the Patriots here. Uh, This is about the range. I think we can all agree that they should be in. And as we just mentioned, you know, I mean, you you can't even really name too many guys right now that just jump off the top of your head that play for the Patriots, right? And that's what 
generally that's uh, the way that it's kind of been, except for, you know, when you had the usual, you know, Tom Brady, Gronk, Edelman type of guys, but Bill Belichick has a way of filling up the team with a lot of role players, but he's going to need something better than that to get, to get went, you know, to get back to winning. So I think number 12 is about the right spot for him right now. So I'm going to make my case here for New England to be maybe one or two spots higher, but I really think that's the only wiggle room here as I'm looking at the teams that are left. First of all, they went seven and nine last year, which, you know, again, this is one of those things. I always think about the Rams. We talked about the Rams last season, like they went three and 13. I mean, they went nine and seven and look, they ended up being a pretty good football team this year. I feel like sometimes we talk about the Patriots this year, like they went four and 12. They, they went seven and nine. They had a bunch of guys on that defense opt out. This was one of the best defenses in football a couple of years ago. You know, I, I just, with all that cap space, you know, not a lot of draft picks, guys coming back an off season to figure out this quarterback situation. I think Bill Belichick just kind of took a fly. I think Bill Belichick kind of knew this was going to be a weird year for the Patriots. And he took, takes a flyer on Cam Newton. It doesn't work out. I think they'll figure out a way to solve that. I just, it's hard for me to be too down on the Patriots. I'm, I'm not putting them like top five. Like I said, if I were to sit down and do these rankings, I maybe have them two spots higher. But I, I think this is going to be a good football team. I think this is going to be a very difficult team. You know, we talk about that Browns third place schedule. Well, guess what? They get the Patriots and the Patriots are going to be tough. You know, I, I don't know that they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. I don't think they will be, but I think they're going to be a really good football team next year. Everyone said they're going to figure out the quarterback spot. Who? Who's going to be their quarterback? I, I don't know. Seriously, yet. who's going to be their quarterback? Carson Wentz. <laughs> and that's going to be like the magic solution. I mean, well, the quarterback is either going to be a scrap heap guy that they think they're going to regenerate. Or, you know, you go through the mock drafts and they're taking Mac Jones in the first round or whatever. And they're playing like the fifth best quarterback in the draft as a rookie. I mean, like, I get it. He's Bill Belichick. And I know all the defensive guys are coming back. Who's their best offensive player? Bill Belichick went and found Vinny Testaverde and kind of got him off the scrap heap when he was here in Cleveland. And so I kind of feel like he's got another one of those in his pocket somehow, even if it's, I'm going to, I mean, like Ryan Fitzpatrick or somebody and, it, and not him necessarily, but I mean, I feel like he's going to find somebody that can win football games for him. He just watched Tom Brady win a Super Bowl, And now he's got everybody saying, you know, Hey, all these years, it was Tom Brady. He's not going to stand for that. Uh, he's going to go out and he's going to find himself a quarterback that can win football games for him. I don't know where he's going to get that guy, but he's going to find somebody. That's a big, I don't know. I just would like, that is a, I get it, but also we're right at the thing. I'm not, to me, this is a, this is a Bengals Patriots Vegas discussion. I'm very curious. The idea, Dan, that you have the Patriots a little higher than this. We are at the edge right here to me of playoff contenders. And I don't, until I have any idea what the Patriots are going to do on offense, I don't see them as a playoff contender. So the idea that they would be any higher than this is what I'm mostly pushing back against. If you think they're better than Vegas and Cincy, I get it. I think that's right here. I can't imagine them. So the, we're, this is 10th. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine them higher than any higher than 10th. Well, I'm going to make my pick here. And I actually, I feel better about the New England Patriots than I do this team that I'm going to pick. Because I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think my, maybe on our round table, I am completely out on this football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I am completely out on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were awful. They were one of the worst teams in football in the second half of the season. 
there's a chance the Browns might've just ended this Pittsburgh Steelers run. Now that organization, again, some of the same cases you make for the Patriots. That's a really good organization. That's a head coach that knows how to coach, knows how to handle personalities, made a really bad decision in that playoff game. And he does that sometimes, but he's still a really good head coach. I'm, I'm just out on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, I don't think they're going to be, I, they're not going to win the division. It's going to be between the Browns and the Ravens. I don't think they're going to be terrible. That's, you know, I don't have them at the bottom here, but I I'm just, that's it. I'm just out on the Steelers. So I'm taking them right here. Do you think the Steelers are a playoff contender or not a playoff contender? I mean, I'm looking at the teams I have left and it would not surprise me if they didn't make the playoffs. I I think they're right there on that fringe. They're a contender. I I have them 10th as well, but for establishment for Ben Roethlisberger returning, unless just big Ben gets hurt, then, I mean, then everything's off the table, but Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, TJ Watt, they're going to find ways to piece that defense together. It, they're playoff contenders, but I think they're on the outside looking in when it, when it all is said and done. ESPN did their rankings of the entire NFL. They had the Steelers 11th overall. Wow. In the entire NFL, which just seemed crazy to me. I, I agree with Dan that they should be a lot lower than that. I mean, it all hinges around Roethlisberger. And if he's what he was this year, they're not going to run off 11 games. And the odds are not in their favor for having that kind of success. They're definitely not going to have that kind of schedule again. I don't, yeah, I, I agree that they need to be, need to be low on this list. And they need to fundamentally change their offense if they are going to be a playoff team. Big Ben and shotgun every snap with no threat of a run game, throwing two, three yard ends and the occasional fade ball is not sustainable. They proved that at the end of the year. If they come out and, and, and dedicate themselves to a whole new scheme, Browns fans saw what that can do for a team. But until Big Ben proves he's willing, I don't think they will. Well, first of all, they have the toughest schedule in the NFL next year, and it is legit a tough schedule. I mean, it, it is going to be really, really hard for them, and I think that's going to hurt them a lot. They need a running back. I mean, James Conner just doesn't, do, just doesn't cut it. They're going to lose Juju, probably lose Bud Dupree. They don't, we don't know who their quarterback is. So they're going to have to – that personnel department is really going to have to dig deep if they're going to get this team turned around and back back to being a contender next year, there are four or five really key pieces that they need. Now it's the Steelers. It's a great organization. They're really good at finding those pieces and those players. But again, a lot of it hinges upon is big Ben going to be their quarterback. And if so, they're going to need to really support him with a great running game. So they've got to beef up the offensive line. They would have to get a, a, another really good running back. I, I think that their strength was those three amazing receivers or one of their strengths. And, you know, you, you lose Juju. That's huge. Yeah. I think this is about the right spot for them. I, they might even have, could have been a little bit lower. I think it is the right range. I'm very curious. Can we do Steelers versus Patriots really quick? The five of us who we think is, will be better in 2021. Cause I would have the Steelers ahead of the Patriots. So who else would have the Steelers ahead of the Patriots? I would just based on the quarterback situation alone. Okay. So that's and two I, and I would have the, I would have the Patriots ahead. Mary Kay. I want to say the Steelers just because I don't know what the Patriots are, but that strength of schedule, which I know I'm harping on that maybe a little bit too much today, but that number one strength of schedule is very meaningful. The, the Steelers have a really, really tough lineup this year, but I still have the, I still right now have them ahead of the Patriots. 
I have the Patriots ahead of the Steelers. You know, as, as we're having this discussion, though, all I think about is these are two teams that have the ability to make us all look very stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know, yeah. like, Bill Belichick can make you, if you say, oh, Patriots are done, you know, Bill Belichick has that ability to make you right. look really foolish. And the Steelers as an organization, right? When you say, oh, the Steelers are done. They're not doing anything. They're, at, you know, like I said, I'm out on the Steelers. It could be October and people could be reminding me of back here in February when I said I'm out on the Steelers and they're five and one. And, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't think it's going to happen, but that's where I'm at. I'm going to push back against that a little bit because the reason we say that right now is because of the quarterbacks. I mean, Bill Belichick has never won in New England without Tom Brady, and Mike Tomlin has never won in Pittsburgh without Ben Roethlisberger. Like before Ben, the Steelers sucked for a couple of years. They weren't any just they have a great organization. I get it. They didn't have a quarterback and they stunk. They were average. So, like, I'm yes, they are great organizations. Yes, they are Hall of Fame head coaches, but man, like there's a little some of this, I think there's a little bit of like magical thinking. And I'm, you know, I would put the Steelers over the Patriots in part because, well, at least Ben something. And I don't know what the Patriots are going to do. You got to find a quarterback, man. So like, I don't care how much of a genius you are. I mean, if we're talking about, I think we all agree this is the right range for these teams. And the reason this is the right range for these teams, sort of at the cusp of maybe competing for the playoffs is because of the quarterback play. And we're going to start talking about teams where pretty much everybody we're going to talk about from here on out has a, a quarterback you feel better about in 2021 than these two teams. I, th- I think it's interesting. We've landed sort of in the same range though, right? We're kind of just arguing over one spot. So th- that that's interesting with both these teams. Go ahead, Mary Kay. What if, uh, what if the Patriots trade for like a Russell Wilson or, a- <laughs> and of course oh, we, well <laughs> we can't predict this, but I mean, things like that could happen, obviously. So, you know, what if they get Jimmy G back, you know, I mean, Jimmy just, G stinks. well, maybe he would stink well, in, but- in, Patriots in the Patriots offense, maybe he wouldn't, but, but we can't, I mean, most of what we do is like a lot of our evaluations are like, who has a good quarterback? And it's like, well, what if the Patriots trade for one of the five best quarterbacks in the league? It's like, well, what if anybody trades for one of the five best quarterbacks? All right. Tell me the team who lands Russell Wilson and I'll put him in the playoffs next year in the AFC. But until that happens, I don't see it. So I'm just trying to make the point that Bill Belichick's not just going to sit back and not have a quarterback. He just, he's not that dumb. And like I said, I watched him go out and find Vinny Testaverde back in the day when Bernie Kosar had diminishing skills. Did anybody think that Vinny Testaverde was going to be worth a damn at that time? No, but they got a lot out of a Vinny Testaverde. And I think Bill Belichick is going to find a quarterback. Yep. To Mary Kay's point, And this is probably something I should have said at the top of the podcast. I made these rankings giving smart front offices, smart head coaches, the benefit of the doubt that they would figure out their quarterback situation. Like Denver didn't get any sort of benefit of the doubt. No, you guys have been bad at this for a long time. You get to stay down there. I baked in teams like New England, Pittsburgh, and a team we'll talk about when we get closer to the top five as a team that, all right, they don't know right now, but I would bet just about anything by the time we do this exercise again after the draft and free agency or in the summer, whenever it comes up again, they have that quarterback situation figured out. So I think, I think Mary Kay is right about that. I think we have reached a tipping point again, where we're going to move forward to that, that group of teams that are bottom playoff teams, maybe get into some contenders here. So Doug, give us uh, number eight. This, this is, I mean, we're talking good teams now. I think, I think we are, there's, yes, there's questions. So this team, I just have a couple questions about. I have Tennessee here. Losing Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator, I think is something. I'm curious how that works out. And then their defense was not very good last year. 
So one side of the ball was a question mark. And then the guy who led the side of the ball that was good left. So Mike Vrabel, I think, is a good coach. They still have Derrick Henry. They still have A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill. Dan loves him. He's a very competent. He's a pretty high-level quarterback. But again, when we're starting now, there's we're also going to get into a debate here about maybe some good teams who maybe are not on the way down, but are there some younger teams starting to shoot past them? So I think as we enter this discussion, it's how high are you elevating some teams that maybe didn't make the playoffs in 2020, but you think are on the rise. So I have some of those teams ahead of Tennessee. So that's why I'm going Titans. Has Tennessee hit their ceiling? That's sort of what we're asking here too, right? Have the Titans, they went to the AFC championship game a couple years ago. They made the playoffs this year. They were a mess on defense. We saw that in person. Can they actually contend for a Super Bowl? I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll see how they kind of come back. You know, not a, they're not really losing a ton, it doesn't look like, but they need to shore up that defense and figure out some of that third down stuff and red zone stuff. Yeah, they're not losing anything roster-wise, talent-wise, but they lost the architect of their entire offensive identity in Arthur, Arthur Smith. And that's one thing that Browns fans should really feel reassured and confident about when you have Kevin Stefanski and you hire an offensive coach that guy's never going anywhere. Now the Titans and Mike Rabel are going to have to find another guy who can do what Smith did, which <laughs> promoting your going from OC to head coaches, one of the biggest jumps in football you can make. And to Dan's point, I think it is a ceiling question here. So I love Tennessee right here. It, I just think they have that glaring hole at OC and play caller as Browns fans saw how important it is this year. We just don't know yet. Okay. It doesn't look like anyone's really champing at the bit here to talk Tennessee Titans. So Alice, <laughs> why don't you give us your next pick? This is seventh. All right. Let's put Miami here. I'm going to put the dolphins here. I love Brian Flores. I love what the dolphins are doing on defense, but this really is going to come down to a Tua question. And I'm not sure Tua is solves enough problems to first be picked where he was to be picked over Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles chargers and to just be a quarterback that is going to push this team into Super Bowl contention two, three years down the road here. Could he do it? Sure. Maybe it it was a small sample size, but we just did the quarterback draft. Uh, I don't even remember where to win. If, if he went there's I've had the notes somewhere. I'll look that up when I, I throw it back to you guys. But I, there, he just doesn't have the, the traits that you look for in a quarterback in a problem solver. And for that reason, as Doug started this sort of tier intro, there's just more upside in some younger quarterbacks that put the Dolphins here for me compared to some other teams. I had, I had the Dolphins here too, Ellis, at number seven. Uh, but when I look at the Dolphins, I mean, my goodness, they, they could have made the playoffs this year. And they had a really, really tough schedule. And when you look at their schedule down the stretch, I remember looking at, you know, the last five or six games for all the, the contenders for the playoffs and theirs was the absolute toughest and they still finished 10 and six. So they are so well coached. They have a really, really good defense. I mean, when you have uh, a guy uh, that can get that many interceptions the way Howard can, and they do some really, really nice things and you would expect to, to make a jump. Uh, so I think this is a good spot for the Dolphins, but it would have been, it would not have been a shocker for them to make the playoffs this year and the Browns to be on the outside looking in. I, I had the Dolphins below the Titans, but 
this is basically the same area. I think both those teams kind of played a little over expectation. If you look at their point differential last season, and this, this sounds about right for, for both of them, seven and eight. I had, I had the dolphins a little higher. They had the third pick. They, and, and we, again, we can start putting Deshaun Watson on a million teams. If that's the <laughs> trade, right. right. I mean, they shoot up. Completely agree. The defense is legit. Flores is legit. Again, some of this, it's like, well, you're balancing like quarterback, head coach. I mean, some of these other, you know, we have a team that we haven't said yet who has a first-year head coach. You know, Brian Flores has shown what he is. He's a guy. So that's good. They have a lot of answers. Two is not the only thing, but it's kind of like the lead thing. And I just wonder if they're going to do something. You know, like if they, he knows it too, that two is a maybe. I don't know that he's a sure thing. So I sort of have a belief that the Dolphins might figure it out this offseason as well. So I had them like one or maybe two spots higher. I get why they're here. But we're also doing this at this point in the offseason because it's interesting. But again, if we come back in two months after the draft or free agency, we might say, whoa, the Dolphins are like practically a Super Bowl contender. I've got to say, there's there's two points I'll make here. And Doug, I think you and I might be thinking of the same team. I am shocked that there is a team still out there that we have ahead of the Titans and the Dolphins. Absolutely shocked this team is still on the board. And the other thing, if I'm the Dolphins and I'm a Dolphins fan, and there is a real chance to go get Deshaun Watson, maybe you love Tua, maybe you love that rookie contract, but you got to go for it. The NFL is a league of opportunity. And you've, you've got to go for it. If you have that opportunity, I would be screaming for the dolphins to go make that move. Ellis. Yeah. To the point about two in this quarterback situation, I, I found our quarterback draft Tua went in round five to, to Dan. Actually, we only did seven rounds and the quarterbacks in that round or class, Alex Smith, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that tells you what what we think about Tua and why that question mark is so glaring. Completely agree, Dan. If you can go get Deshaun Watson, who went in the first round of our quarterback draft and somewhere in the top five, it's a no-brainer. I call I call that value though. It's good. That's a good value play by me. There. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break and then we're gonna move into this next tier of teams. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we are up to sixth now in our power rankings. And Scott, we are back to you. I'm going to put the Chargers here. I am surprised they are this high. I think that was the team you were probably talking about before the break, Dan. Yep. I had them below the the, uh, the Titans and the Dolphins. I, I mean, they have their quarterback. They have talent. They have a new coach. They have cap space. I mean, it's easy to make an argument, but this team can make a jump. I don't know. I, you're, you're asking for a, a lot of jump, I think. From this team, and I'm, I don't. I'd be surprised if it's if it's over the Titans and over the Dolphins. But but let me throw this out because I, I I do agree with you on a lot of those points. But I'll just throw this out: if you were if you had to bet on a team to make a leap this year from what they were last year to this year, the Chargers would have to be on that list, right? Because of what Justin Herbert did because they still have all that talent on the offensive side of the ball, I would think they would at least be one of those candidates that you'd say, you know, that team could make that leap. Maybe that's the team we get a year ahead on, right? Sometimes Kevin Clark from the ringer always likes to point out that sometimes we're a year ahead on teams. Maybe everybody's going to be a year ahead on the chargers this year. I I think a lot of this chargers conversation 
you know, Justin Herbert and talented roster aside because they've had a talented roster for years. And now you find the missing piece in Herbert is the new head coach. They just brought in Brandon Staley guy comes out of nowhere. A lot of good deep dive stories out there of just how much of a brainiac this guy is. He crafted the the number one defense in football last year. And people can say it's, Oh, they had Aaron Donald and and they had Jalen Ramsey. No, the Rams have had those guys before and they didn't do what they did this, this year. He's a communication master. You, you, you'd see some Kevin Stefanski type leadership skills in him. And I'll say this five years ago, you want to know what Ellis Williams and Brandon Staley both had in common. We were each involved in division three college football programs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Our lives have gone a little differently these past five years, but <laughs> I'm pulling for him for that reason. And I think his short, but impressive resume already is a reason why they could be a team that, like Dan said, we might be a year too early, but because of roster talent and believing in a smart guy, I, I think they have a real chance to be a playoff contender this year. I feel I do feel bad for Brandon Staley that instead of getting to be on this podcast like Ellis, he just has to be a head coach in the NFL. Ellis won that one. <laughs> Clearly. So I, I think there are a couple of things here. I'm trying to think of a team that had some roster talent and a young quarterback and hired a first-year head coach and made a big jump and made the playoffs. Um who would oh so i think that's in play i think you're this is if you have them this high and i did have them sixth on my list i had them right here i had some other teams ahead of different ones ahead and below them but i think sixth is right derwin james also is part of this for me he might be their best defensive player he missed all of last year joey bose is a game wrecker maybe they lose melvin ingram but like they have a lot they were supposed to be people thought they were going to be an excellent defense in 2020 and they kind of weren't and if you believe that James makes a difference. Maybe they, and again, Dan, you're talking about like, sometimes we think, oh, these teams were awful. They had some really weird and bad losses, but they played a lot of close games and they went seven and nine and they lost a lot of games at the end. If Herbert makes a jump, if James plays at an all pro level, and maybe you feel like the coaching held them back a little bit and you get a new coach and he unlocks a lot of stuff. I do not think it's unreasonable for this team to go from seven wins to 11 wins. They're the second best team in their division. I think probably pretty clearly, I don't know Mary Kay what their schedule strength is, but I think this is an upside pick. It's why they did last that long, but obviously this is a team that everybody's going to be saying might be the breakout team in the league in 2021. I had them at number five. I just, once again, I, I really like, the quarterback a lot and 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 when I like the quarterback I that just kind of dominates my thinking about a about a football team and what they're capable of so I put them at number five I just think the world of him I don't have their strength of schedule right up in front of me right now but I uh I think he is going to take that big leap in year number two and I think they can surprise some teams this year so the, the team that I'm going to have to pick next, I, I would have put them below the Chargers. Okay, so who is it? We haven't picked the Colts yet, have we? No, we have not. <laughs> I was going to say, do we? Do, I would have the Colts a little bit lower than this. Uh, first, you know, once again, quarterback reasons and stuff like that. So I've got the Colts here. I mean, may, maybe Andrew Luck will come back. You know, there, there are little rumors about that. And again, when we, as we're doing this, I know we're, we're kidding around about this, but as we're doing this exercise and we say we're going to do it again, I'm putting a little question mark by all the teams that we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. 
and there are a significant amount of little question marks that I have here already. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. like half the teams in the AFC. We're not sure who their quarterback is going to be yet. So number one, listeners do not hold us to this list Number two. We're going to do this again after the draft. And it'll be pretty cool to see how we change up uh, our list after free agency and the draft. But I've got the Colts here at number five. I think five is too high for the Colts. I had them seven. You know, there's again, we're all in the same range here. Maybe you like one team better. I think the quarterback question is legit, but good defense, good front office, second most cap space. And if they would have traded for Matthew Stafford, we'd be like, oh, cool. We know what's up. And we would have. So again, but now again, Matthew Stafford, if he would have been the answer, that's one thing. If you're telling me Carson Wentz is the answer for Indy, I'm not, I'm dropping him, man. I'm, I'm not believing in Frank Reich magic, like reincarnating the ghost of old good Carson Wentz. So again, we, we think, yes, there are teams that they have to get a quarterback. I don't think they're going to just say Jacoby Brissett's our quarterback for 2021, but who is it? Like how they answer that question is a huge deal here. So I just think because of that five right now is a little high, I had him a couple spots lower. I know how you feel about Carson Wentz, Doug, and you're probably right. He'll probably never, ever be good again. But Baker Mayfield was second last in the NFL last year with a 78.8 rating. And then a new coaching staff came in and put him in a system that was really good for him and surrounded him with a really good offensive line and a lot of talent and supported him and got him completely turned back around again. Now, maybe that won't happen for Carson Wentz for all the reasons that we've read this offseason, but... I do think if anybody would be able to do it, it would be guys that have been able to get that kind of success out of him before. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Who are the two teams that move the most in your guys' minds right now? And I know we haven't ranked everybody, but move the most if we once we get quarterback answers for them. I think Indianapolis maybe is one because they could go. I mean, we've got them fifth here, so that's pretty high. But I mean, Doug has them seventh. Doug, would they move up significantly if they got a guy that you liked at quarterback? Yes, because I think they have a lot of other pieces in place. And then the other one maybe would be New England. Is that fair? Would, would those, are those the two teams that maybe have the highest upside if they solve the quarterback position the right way? Maybe the Steelers too. Steelers. Maybe, yeah. If you're a team that needs a quarterback, this is the year to need it because there are so many that are moving. And if mm-hmm. you're a quarterback who needs to find a new team, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better situation than the Colts. Scott's exactly right. What, what's so fun about this exercise is what we put the Chargers at six and the Patriots somewhere below that, and we bring them up now again mm-hmm. saying, hey, if they figure the quarterback thing out, the Patriots beat the Chargers 45-0 to zero this year. <laughs> Justin Herbert <laughs> threw two interceptions and only – through for about 200 yards and that's what I think is why our list differs so much like clearly Doug and I think our saw this exercise in two very different ways like all right you don't have your quarterback right now so I'm penalizing you for it where I thought all right I'm going to give these teams the benefit of the doubt and they will figure the quarterback situation out and that's all the Colts have done since losing Andrew Luck I mean imagine pulling your franchise quarterback who's just barely 30 away from any franchise that we're about to name or some of the ones we haven't named yet. I mean, we've seen what Pittsburgh does when they, their quarterback falls off the face of the earth. They just figure it out year in and year out. I think an, even a guy like Sam Darnold going there puts them 
confidently where I have them on my list. And I, cause for me, I think this is too low for the Colts. I am a firm believer in their defensive line. I think they've got the best defensive line in football, Darius Leonard at linebacker. They've got a, a up and coming all pro safety in, in, in Jeremy chin over there. Their corners were figured out this year with Xavier Rhodes bouncing back. Really, if that Browns-Colts game goes another quarter, I think the Colts win that football game. And Phillip Rivers cost them a safety and a pick six, nine points in that game. The Colts are one of the best teams in the AFC. And once they figure that quarterback situation out and we do this again, I think you all have them ranked somewhere in the top five, maybe even your top four. Okay, so this is where it gets fun. And I get to, I get to lead us off here. Now, just a reminder as we're going through this, we are not picking the Browns for all of our listeners out there who are waiting here that we're going to slot the Browns once we kind of finish this off and get through this last round here. So here's where I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. This is just so, I mean, outside of Kansas city, assuming we're not going to have some raging debate about where Kansas city ends up outside of Kansas city. I just think, I don't know if there's a wrong way to go here with this, with the next couple teams we pick. I just think we're sort of in that area now where we've reached that level of teams where, they're more than likely going to make the playoffs. They're, they're contenders in their divisions, and they have a chance to win the AFC. And that's how I see Baltimore. Uh, so I'm going to put them here, which might make for an interesting discussion here in a little bit. But I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ravens here in this spot. I mean, if we're not taking the Browns, there's only three teams on the board exactly. at the moment. Given where we are, I, I think this is the spot for the Ravens. I'll be curious if, if somebody would argue they should be higher. I want to hear what the argument is, but I think they're very clearly ahead of everybody else we just named. So since we're not taking the Browns, I think this is where the Ravens have to be. And I I'm very curious to hear people who would disagree with that. I, I would have them a spot higher. I'm all in on the Ravens. Browns fans are going to probably get sick of hearing me throughout the off season, ride the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson, he's already won an MVP and I don't think he's even scratched the surface yet on the quality of quarterback, the thrower he can be. I think the front office has failed him in the draft with drafting small receivers. He needs big bodies. I think the passing schemes have failed him, and they will revamp that, I believe, in John Harbaugh there to figure that out. You look at the tape all year. They're not just going to spend this whole offseason trying to continue to run short slants. Lamar Jackson's the most dynamic quarterback in football, and if you get him in an offense that unlocks that potential – and you draft some bigger bodied receivers, I think he just keeps trending up. That defense is fierce. They play the best man coverage in the league, and we've seen what that does in playoff football games and meaningful games. It's the one coverage that you don't have an answer for if your athletes are not better than theirs. I think the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders this year, and, and the matchup we, we want to see eventually in an AFC championship game, Browns fans aside, is that Chiefs-Ravens game i think they match up well with each other and i think those are the two teams we're talking about as, as the top teams in the afc I, the ravens here is fine <laughs> i think the top three are i mean have been obvious from the start but i mean for no other reason than the bills you know got past the ravens so that's a pretty they... big reason i mean like I, i'm not trying to put the whole season on one game but it's like okay well they played and buffalo beat right. them right so i mean i think that seems like a legitimate reason to, to put the ravens here and not ahead of the bills yeah, and to that reason in that game, uh, the game completely switched on Lamar Jackson's red zone pick six. It was the first red zone interception Lamar Jackson's thrown of his entire career, and then he was knocked out of the game with a concussion. So I understand the caveats there, and if the Browns were to beat the Chiefs, I guarantee the caveat would have been, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes 
wasn't didn't play the final 23 minutes so we wouldn't have ranked the browns ahead of the chiefs either so with that same logic i'm going to give baltimore the benefit of the doubt i think they're better than the bills they the the ravens have a really good obviously really good front office they aggressively aggressively add talent every year they know exactly what they need they go out and they find a way to get it they'll trade they'll spend for guys uh so i have every reason to believe that they'll fix what ails them this offseason. Once again, my my little uh, reigning theme throughout all of this, all of the teams in the AFC North have really hard schedules this year, as Scott has written about too. I mean, they really do. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are number one. The Ravens are number two. And that's going to make it tough for them to get, to get past uh, some of these teams. But they did it last year. You know, they beat the good teams last year when they needed to, for the most part. I think they, they should be okay that way. But I had them right here too, providing that we don't have the Browns in this list yet. Okay, so that leaves us with Buffalo and Kansas City. I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time on this, but Doug, we'll let you, uh, we'll let you make the pick here. At what, well, right now is number three. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously Buffalo, and, and I just I feel strongly that like they should be at this spot. People felt the way they played the last two-thirds of the season, I mean, nobody was beating them. They have it on both sides of the ball. Again, everybody believes in Sean McDermott as a head coach. Josh Allen made a leap. You know, I think they didn't play as quite as well in the playoffs, maybe, and there's a point I want to make about that later, but this, was a, a, this, this team had an excellent season and I think is, is trending up, and I, at the moment... I mean, I, I, as, as much of a like doubter of Josh Allen that I was, I think right this second, I believe in Josh Allen a little more than I believe in Lamar Jackson. Like I believe in both of them and I'm not a Lamar doubter, but I can't believe I'm, why did I have to, can someone else pick Buffalo? Why do I have to say all this stuff about Josh Allen? Dan, did you rig this to make me pick Buffalo? Well, well, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just throw out these last two and not even make them say it. But now I'm glad I did. Yeah, thanks. It's like my, it's eating my inside. So congratulations to I mean, they're they're really good. They're a great team and they're headed. I think I think they're trending. They're trending up in the right direction. So clearly to me, they're here ahead of Buffalo behind Kansas City. They got to keep their offensive coordinator, which I think was important. You know, when I when I saw that he was uh, interviewing for other jobs, I was thinking, you know, that that could have a detrimental effect on Josh Allen for him, for him to have that continuity going forward with his, whatever, how many ever seasons now this will be and Brian Dayball together. That's very meaningful for a guy to continue to build on a system uh, that he's been in for a while. It's huge. Scott, did you have Buffalo Baltimore in this order or Baltimore Buffalo? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The Ravens the the Bills, yeah. All right. So Ellis bring us home. Yeah, this is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs pick, right? Unless we were just talking about a huge Super Bowl slump and they go seven and nine and there's a dysfunction and Travis Kelsey's traded. No, I'm spitballing here. It's got to be the Chiefs. And quite frankly, I think it's pretty clear that the Super Bowl was a humbling experience for Kansas City. If those stories aren't out yet, they will be out. From Andy Reid to Eric Bieniemy to Patrick Mahomes, probably learned a lot about themselves and in the fact that they can't be an NBA team. They can't just flip a switch. They can't just play backyard football and think that will win them a game at the highest level. It gets them through the regular season. It gets them through playoff games. 
but eventually it, it bites you. So I see the Chiefs coming back. <laughs> it's crazy to say that they're going to be even better than they were last year, but they're going to get, I think, more complex between the 20s. They're, they're an extremely diverse team in the red zone. They, they get real complacent between the 20s because they just know their guys are better than yours. I think they're going to rededicate themselves to running the football. I mean, I could spend – 45 minutes talking about that Super Bowl game and what Todd Bowles did to them, but playing three down linemen and two high safeties and you run the ball nine times, it is a complete indictment on a Kansas city chiefs coaching staff, which before that game, we all would have said was one of the best staffs in football. And I still think they are. And that's exactly why I'm saying that they were humbled. They're going to learn from this and they're going to run through the AFC next year because they're going to be a complete team rather than trying to be the golden state warriors of the NFL. You know, I, I think the biggest thing when I look at that game, I mean, and, and that's why it, it made me wonder what the Browns would have been able to do on the way to the Super Bowl and in the Super Bowl. I mean, when you lose Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, I mean, can you imagine the Browns trying to play without Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills, right? I mean, that's why they were so good this season, those two guys. I mean, the Chiefs did not have, on top of everything else they went through that week, uh, which I think just completely rattled them totally 100%. They did not have Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. And I think that showed, and I think it was not easy for Todd Bowles, but a hell of a lot easier for Todd Bowles to game plan for that offense without those two amazing offensive tackles. So if they get those two guys back next year, it's an entirely different situation again. Yeah, they, they should, you know, who knows with Fisher because of the Achilles, but they should they should have Schwartz back. Lauren, I, I never know how to say this guy's name, Duvernay Tardif, Tardif back, who opted out to go use his medical degree in Canada. Uh, they'll get him back, so that offensive line should be better next year. Let's do this now. We've got to slot the Cleveland Browns. So here's where we ended up in that last round. We had Indianapolis at number five. I'm sorry, Chargers. We had the Chargers, the Colts, the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chiefs. So I think we're all pretty good locking the Chiefs in there at number one. So now I want to know, where do we all slot the Cleveland Browns in this kind of – we're all going to put them top five, I'm assuming, here. So where would we slot them in this group? I have them fourth. Football Outsiders had them third above the Ravens. I don't think they should be above the Ravens yet. I think fourth is a good spot for them. I think those three teams, they just got to prove it, I guess, that they can beat them. If we're just going off what we saw last year, the Browns had the ability to beat anybody, but they also had the ability to lose anybody. And I just like fourth for them. I, the Colts have an issue with quarterback. We don't know. The Chargers, they're a team that could make a leap. They also could not make a leap. I think we're all expecting the Browns to – they have more to work with on offense, and we're confident they're going to make the needed changes on defense. They already have some guys in-house who could help with that. So I, I like the Browns at four. You know, I have the Browns at four as well. But I think there are some things that, that we need to look at and be realistic about, about the Cleveland Browns about this past season. Some of those things concern me just a slight bit. They were able to play like a Dwayne Haskins instead of an Alex Smith. They were able to play a, you know, even a Mike Glennon ahead of a Gardner Minshew. Now that one wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but there were some things that happened along the way uh, that that 100%, and there there are others that are like I'm not that are not foremost in my mind right now. But there are other things like that. Oh, I know, Deshaun Watson. They got a chance to play Deshaun Watson when his wings were completely clipped in the fierce winds at First Energy Stadium. Who gets that opportunity? 
Uh, they got the Pittsburgh Steelers in the season finale with their starters completely rested, okay? And these are realistic things that you have to look at when you're planning for the future of your football team. And that's why I think that they need to aggressively add talent. They need to aggressively get better because it's going to be tougher for them next year than it was this past year. And that's just the bottom line. That's the truth. I still have them here at number four, but they're going to have to get a lot better. And that Baker Mayfield that showed up midway through the season, I think it's great that he's going to be starting you know, at that level from the start of the season because now he can just build on that. But they, they have to take it up a notch. Everybody in the organization has to take it up a notch to be at number four where I put them. Darius Leonard for the Colts did not play against the Browns. James Bradbury for the Giants did not play against the Browns. Uh, Quinn Williams of the Jets did not play against the Browns. They keep adding to that list of, I think, nice breaks they caught with opposing teams missing one of their two or three top players. I think all those quarterbacks uh, you named, they also got to play against Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph and Robert Jackson and Tavier Thomas, you know, Mac Wilson running around, not sure what he's doing. So I think that had a lot to do with those games as well. You know, I, I wish I, I'm trying to make the case in my head that they could be higher up, but if this team has a top 15 defense, let's say they, they turn this thing into a top 15 defense and the offense looks like it did last year. I think they've got a chance where we might look at this team once the season starts and say, maybe they are the second best team in the AFC. I think that's a real possibility. I'm not going to put them there, but I think there's a way to build this roster and make this roster better where they can get there. I think there's a lot of upside with this roster, but I still can't put them ahead of Baltimore just yet because they haven't beaten Baltimore. You know, Buffalo, I think proved a lot last year. So I, I've got to put them at fourth too. I think I, I wish I, I wish I could throw a wrench in things here and put them really high. I do think there is a ceiling where they can be the second best team in the AFC, but I've got to do it. And look, we don't know Indianapolis's quarterback situation. I don't know if that changes things. There's not really anything else that would drop them lower. So I think the range for me with the Browns is between two and five, and I'm, I'm going to put them at four. And, and let's see what they do with this defense. So maybe in a few months, if we redo this exercise, I've got them higher. But right now, in, on February 12th, on this podcast, I'm going to have them at fourth too. Doug, is that – are you going to change it up on us here? Oh, oh am I going to change it up on you? Am mm. I going to maybe say something like the Browns are two? Am I going to maybe say the Browns – yeah, I'm going to say the Browns are two. And here's why. Yeah, you guys named all the, all the people they didn't have to play. Miles Garrett missed a couple games with COVID and wasn't himself when he came back. Nick Chubb missed a month. Odell Beckham missed 10 games. Denzel Ward missed a couple important games. Grant Delpit missed the whole year. Ronnie Harrison missed important games at the end of the year. Olivier Vernon missed important games at the end of the year. Now their offensive line was very healthy and that was quite helpful. They, they were not themselves for a lot of these games when they found a way to win. And the idea that they can beat anybody, but they can also lose to anybody, I push back against that a little bit too because they became a different team in the second half of the year. And I'm not thinking of the Ravens and Steelers' early losses when I think about this Browns teams right now. And I don't think that's making an excuse. I think that's realizing they became a different team late. And then they lost to the Raiders on a goofy, windy day when Miles wasn't himself. They didn't have Nick Chubb, and they couldn't run the ball. They lost the Jets game that was nuts, and they lost a Monday night shootout against Baltimore that was like the game of the year. So I think they only get better. Show me where they're worse. We know the defense was a problem. 
by plan. They fix the offense first. I believe they can fix the defense in a similar way. Now they have more cap space to work with than some other teams that are out there doing this. I believe in Andrew Barry. So all the assumptions, like if you want to make assumptions and I was not making those assumptions, but I don't have to be consistent on this podcast. I can twist my thinking to put the Browns second. But if you're going to say, well, I think a team's going to get a quarterback. I'm going to say, I think they're going to get a safety. I think they're going to get a linebacker. I think they're going to add to the pass rush. I'm assuming all those things. And so when I assume those, when I assume that Odell Beckham is back and an important part of this offense, or even if not, that somebody is a deep threat, the way we covered on Gotta Watch the Tape, and everybody has been talking about, they didn't have that this year. But show me where they're not better. And then, so I now here's my, my caveat, and I'll get done with this. I think they still might have trouble beating the Ravens, but I'm talking about finishing ahead of the Ravens week to week, 16 games. I will take, that's where Lamar maybe is a little up and down to me. I get it. The Browns themselves head to head with the Ravens. They don't, it's one of those things. Oh, they have to beat the Ravens. Well, they actually don't like they didn't beat the Ravens. Right. And they, st- right. They still, maybe they don't beat the Ravens head to head, but they advance farther in the playoffs. They finish it with a better record. I think that's possible. And then the bills, I didn't like the way the bills competed with the chiefs. I, because I didn't think they competed. I thought the Browns competed better with the chiefs up until Mahomes going out. So I dinged as much as I said, good things about the bills. I dinged the bills a little bit for that, but I also don't know that the bills are going to get as much better as I think the Browns are going to improve because I think the Browns, have more room to grow defensively. So maybe it's a homer leap. I think two, three, four, any of those make sense. But I really, truly in my heart think there is a case for two. I get that nobody else has them at two, but I don't think my case for two is like a crazy person's case. I think if you're throwing them in with Baltimore and Buffalo, you can you can look at it a certain way and say, yeah, I really believe the Browns come only behind the Chiefs. Doug remains the the yin to Ellis's yang, the highs <laughs> to the lows of this podcast. I, I do understand and, and partially agree with everything Doug just laid out. Like we really are splitting hairs here when we get to this top echelon of the AFC. But I have the Browns fifth, and again, the the parallels the, the, uh, between Doug and I. Like I view this as head to head. To me, that is how I, the the rankings. Are, are you know their power rankings like who is better than who? I understand the schedule thing and that all could play out in the Browns' favor, but to me, we haven't talked enough about this Browns' offense and where it's going. We did talk a lot about the Browns' offense on our latest "Gotta Watch the Tape." Shameless plug. We spent an hour on it, and I just want to bring that conversation slightly into this because I think it's important. I think the book is clearly out on this Browns' offense. Scott laid it out, and we talked in detail about that last Browns' drive. Perhaps it's just a sour taste I can't get out of my mouth, but they hit a wall. They emptied the bag. They had nothing left. They were ready for the offseason with a chance to go to the AFC Championship right in front of them. They couldn't do it. Teams now have a whole offseason to study Kevin Stefanski, what he likes, what, how, why the run game works so well, what his play-action games, his go-to deep concepts really are. And to me, that's concerning. Now, everyone listening to this knows I'm, I'm one of the biggest Kevin Stefanski believers there is, and I have faith that a guy like that will figure it out. But there are questions. You know, what does Odell Beckham Jr. finally look like in this offense with this new and improved Baker Mayfield? Is it a next level? Or are we talking and writing about chemistry issues and trade deadline stuff again for the third year in a row? 
I don't know the answer to that. And one thing I think that is so understated is Baker Mayfield and this Browns offense playing with the best offensive line in pro football focus history. Number one pass, uh, pass defense line and the number one running offensive line. It's never happened before. Can they do it two years in a row? Maybe they can. Can they do it three years in a row? Maybe they can. But nothing in this league lasts forever. Things change very quickly. Injuries happen. Not, Of course, you want no one to get hurt, but injuries happen. And I don't know if this team can overcome said injuries like other teams on this list. The Colts lost a pair of their tackles this year. The Ravens' offensive line was decimated this year. The Chiefs made it to the Super Bowl with their makeshift offensive line. This stuff happens in the league, and those teams prove they can overcome it. I'm not sure that the Browns have the offensive pieces in place to overcome such situations. Maybe they'll never have to deal with it. But like Mary Kay said, this team needs to just load up at every spot because as, as sexy as this roster looks, it, it needs depth. It needs a guy better than Nick Harris to come in. It needs probably a, a, another carbon copy of Chris Hubbard. And then, it, of course, the defense is the defense. You guys already talked about and detailed all that. I think the Browns caught a lot of fortunate breaks in game this year. And that offensive line stayed relatively healthy and in the games they needed players most. And for me, that is why I have them fifth because I could, I could flirt with the bills. I think they're, they're, they're neck and neck with the bills. Like I, I didn't see enough from the bills against the chiefs to really say, okay, they're a Super Bowl team also, but I think they have no way of defending Lamar Jackson. They don't have an answer yet for the Ravens press coverage unless someone gets hurt. I already was on my, my high horse about the Colts. I won't indulge on that again. And then you got the Chiefs at one. So for me, slot the Browns in at, at five, and I am so excited to see the next evolution of Kevin Stefanski's offense. You know, real quick, I, I, also, I also think that it's going to come down to, it's going to have a lot to do with how teams dig into that Baker Mayfield film. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this too. I got to watch the tape. It A lot is going to depend on that. Is he going to be able to, throw 20 touchdown passes and only two interceptions in his final, whatever, 12 games of the season. I can't even remember how many games that was nine, 10 games of the season after the Cincinnati game. Okay. That, that bar is set really, really high for that. Teams are going to dig in and they're going to, they're going to dig into this film and they're going to try to figure out how to solve Baker Mayfield and how to defend him. They really haven't had a chance to do that yet. As you mentioned, Ellis, same thing with Kevin Stefanski. This was the first year to get a book on this whole offensive staff. Now, they're not going to stand pat. I mean, Kevin Stefanski has charged his whole entire team, his whole entire coaching staff with going forth and getting better in every way. When I talked to him about spending that year with Gary Kubiak, that was just so pivotal for him. He wants all of his coaches to go add to their repertoire, add to their game and figure out how to get better and take it up a notch. They know they have to. But when you look at, and, and it's okay to take, and I've said this all season long, you have to take an unflinching look of what you've just been through and what's coming down the pike because it's going to be different. It's going to be harder. You didn't have to deal with Chase Young. You didn't have to deal with Chandler Jones. You didn't have to deal with Bud Dupree and some of these other guys and TJ Watt in the last game. They caught some breaks and they did what they had to do and they got themselves to the playoffs and they won a game in convincing, pretty convincing fashion for the most part, at least the first half of it. They've got a lot of work to do to stay at the level that they were at, given everything that we've, can, that we've talked about. And it will come down a lot to the development, the continued development and improvement of Baker Mayfield. 
Okay. I, I do think the injuries were against them more than for them. I will stand on that. I, I, I do think, I think they, Miles Garrett wasn't himself. Did anybody dispute that? We thought he was the best defensive player in the league in the first half of the year. He wasn't himself. Uh, what, what, is it an injury or whatever? He wasn't himself. They had to survive. This whole team's built around the run game. They had to survive without a month without Nick Chubb. Yeah, but you know what? Okay. They didn't have their highest priced offensive player for the last 10 games. First of all, Olivier Vernon pick up, picked up the ball, okay? He was nothing in the first half of the season. He picked up the ball and became what they needed him to be when Miles Garrett wasn't 100% himself. Olivier filled in for him admirably. Nick Chubb, most teams don't have two, two running backs that can be considered a number one running back. So Nick Chubb not being in the lineup leaves you with, oh, too bad, Kareem Hunt. I mean, I, I, okay, maybe it's not Nick Chubb, but most teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs, would be more than happy to have Kareem Hunt as their number one running back. So I, I don't, I mean, I think the injuries were about what everybody else had. I don't think they were anything worse that would, than what anybody else had to deal with all season. And I think the key positions stayed healthy. Baker Mayfield plays every game, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet the Browns had one of the lowest number of different offensive line starting combinations, and that's what wins games in this league. Up front, protect Baker Mayfield and have your quarterback play every game. I take uh, put more stock into that than missing a receiver here or missing a running back for a few games. And I understand the Miles Garrett thing, like Mary Gay said, OV stepped up and then Garrett still returned to what, maybe 70% yes. production and yes. 70% of miles is still a top 10 edge rusher in this league. And every single person that we talked to, including probably some people on this podcast, so many people believe that Baker Mayfield functions better without Odell Beckham Jr. And that, I mean, so with him going from what he did with, Odell and I don't I'm not one of the people that believe this but he did throw 20 touchdown passes and two interceptions with Odell out of the lineup so I don't know if we can look at that as a catastrophic injury per se I will give you Grant Delpit I think that crushed the defense from the start but Ronnie Harrison can you know like sure. Andrew Andrew Barry pulled Ronnie Harrison so, out, out of a hat so but you guys on one hand are talking about how they need to have better depth because they need to add add talent because their depth isn't good enough. And now we're talking about how they lost like all these examples of losing great players and they were fine. Like, oh, they survived the Odell injury so we can act like it's not that big a deal. They survived without Nick Chubb. Well, maybe it's because they filled in with depth. I don't know. I just, I just think they were, for as much as they did, I think we are underrating what they had to get past while winning 11 games. And that, yes, I'm not disputing it. Sure helped to play Dwayne Haskins because he threw the ball straight to him a couple times. Mm -hmm. But they were a different team. Baker's evolution and growth in a first-year offense made him a different quarterback in the second game, second half of the year. That mm -hmm. was, we all, that made total sense. But there were also things they overcame on a regular basis in losing key guys, maybe not for huge stretches. And I, uh, Ellis, your point about the offensive line is a good one. But also, they were playing a guy off the street late in the year at left tackle, their fifth string left tackle, because Chris Hubbard was out, and Drew Forbes opted out, and Nick Harris was hurt. So I'm not saying that's – but, I mean, they found a way to a degree that I'm giving them credit for, which is why I think there's more out there in 2021, because I still think we underrate the obstacles that they had to overcome in 2020, and injuries are part of the game – but man, they had some stuff hit them, I thought. 
the fact that they won 11 games going through all that is proof that the Browns are, are legit now. Like, you know, in years past, obviously you lose a player like miles for a certain amount of time or Nick Chubb. And this, this team is going nowhere. So you're right in that it matters that they overcame all that, but I still got them fourth. That's, and that's where we have them in our, our final rankings. I do think with the whole injury and, and guys catching breaks discussion, it's almost one of those things where we'd really have to dig deeper on like every team we'd really have to go in and say, okay, like the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens because the Ravens had a bunch of COVID guys. So, you know, I, I think we'd really, to have a, a real fair discussion about that, we'd have to really dig into every single team and, and kind of what breaks they got and what breaks they didn't. But here are our final AFC power rankings. Not too many arguments, maybe a couple spots here and there, but this is how it worked out. So we got the Jets at 16th, the Jaguars at 15th, Houston at 14th, Denver at 13th, number 12, Cincinnati, number 11, Las Vegas, number 10, New England, number nine, Pittsburgh, number eight, Tennessee, number seven, Miami, number six, LA, number five, Indianapolis, number four, the Browns, number three, Baltimore, number two, Buffalo, and number one, Kansas City. That was fun. We'll have to do that again here in a few months after we kind of figure out what these teams look like. And once Bill Belichick gets his quarterback, I was just going to say that I promise you, we will not see a single subway Bill Belichick commercial and he's going to climb these power rankings as the off season trickles on. <laughs> what if we just make this the Friday round table every week? We just constantly, we just redo power rankings every Friday. I don't want to have to care that much about the Broncos and the Jaguars and the, the chargers. <laughs> And knowing us will make this podcast 15 minutes longer each week somehow to just keep rambling away. Well, there, there's a reason we give it to you on Fridays, folks. So you can listen to it all throughout the weekend. So make sure you are subscribed to that Orange and Brown Talk feed so you get this thing right on your phone. And of course, check out Football Insider. Scott, you did ask uh, our insiders for their rankings as well. Uh, so make sure you're on a part of Football Insider so you can be a part of that stuff. Go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. So... For Scott, Doug, Ellis, and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.